This is Audible. TED Talk Storytelling. 23 Storytelling Techniques from the Best TED Talks by Akash P. Korea. Narrated by Matt Stone. Produced by Archangel Inc. Your Free Gift. As a way of saying thank you for your purchase, I'd like to offer you a free bonus package worth $297. This bonus package contains ebooks, videos, and audio tapes on how to master the art of public speaking, overcome procrastination, and triple your productivity. You can download the free bonus at akashkorea.com slash free. Rave reviews for 23 storytelling techniques from the best TED Talks. Good stuff, no fluff. Akash does it again. Every speaker can put these ideas into practice immediately, and they should. Dr. Richard C. Harris, certified world class speaking coach. Very insightful yet amazingly simple. These simple changes made to your presentation can transform any boring speech into a fascinating story. Brian N. Five stars. Very interesting for one who has appreciated the value of TED Talks for years. Andrew K. Skip. Insightful. Dennis Waller, Amazon Top 500 Reviewer. A note regarding fair use policy. In adhering with the fair use policy, I have used limited amounts of copyrighted material. In order to comment upon the material and educate the general public. For educational purposes, I have included excerpts from TED Talks. TED and other service names are registered trademarks of TED Conferences LLC. Although I am an avid watcher of TED Talks, please note that I have no affiliation with TED. This is a course that was developed out of my passion for effective communication and TED Talks, and I hope that more people will be exposed to TED through this course. Finally, throughout the course, I have included links to my website where you can watch the TED Talks referred to in the text. For your easy reference, you can also download the list at akashkorea.com slash tedvideos. That is a k a s h k a r i a dot com slash tedvideos. I hope you enjoyed the talks as much as I did. Chapter 1 The Magic Ingredient in Delivering a Great TED Talk. What is the secret to delivering a great TED Talk? What is the magic ingredient that makes a TED Talk captivating? TED Talks, www.ted.com, are some of the most inspiring and amazing talks you'll watch. Each presentation is 18 minutes long, meaning that speakers on the TED stage have a difficult job. They have to distill their expertise and their life's work into only 18 minutes. Essentially, they only have time to share one idea, which requires them to ask the question If I could leave my audience with only one single key takeaway message, what would it be? If my audience was to forget everything else I said, what one single idea or lesson would I want them to remember? Not only are the ideas that are shared on the TED stage profound, The speakers themselves are some of the best presenters you'll ever see. Unlike the boring, dull, lifeless corporate presentations you hear these days, TED Talks are powerful and captivating. They keep you hooked onto every word. 
The speakers on the TED stage are confident, powerful, and persuasive. So, what is it that makes these TED Talks so inspiring? What are the secrets of delivering a powerful TED Talk? And more importantly, how can you use those secrets to make your presentations more powerful, dynamic, and engaging? To try to answer these questions, I studied over 200 of the best TED Talks. I broke each TED Talk down in terms of structure, message, and delivery. So, what did I discover? What was the magic ingredient that made a TED Talk captivating? What was it that made the best TED Talks inspiring? Which is a word that is often associated with TED? Here's what I discovered. After studying over 200 TED Talks, the one commonality among all the great TED Talks is that they contain stories. Essentially, the best speakers on the TED stage were the ones who had mastered the art of storytelling. They had mastered how to craft and present their stories in a way that allowed them to share their message with the world without seeming like they were lecturing their audience. That's just one of the advantages of stories. They allow you to share your message without your audience feeling like you're preaching to them, which in turn makes it easier for them to accept your message. In this short course, you're going to learn how to use stories to make your presentations engaging and inspiring. You'll learn how to craft stories that keep your audience mesmerized. You'll also learn how to use stories to make your message memorable. By the time you finish this course, you will have picked up 23 principles on how to create stories that keep your audiences hooked onto your every word. Whether you are giving a TED Talk or a corporate presentation, you'll be able to apply the principles from this course to make your next talk a roaring success. Ready? Let's get started. In a nutshell, the one thing that all great TED speakers have in common is that they are master storytellers. Chapter 2. The Story Start How many speakers have you seen that hooked you into their presentation within the first 30 seconds? How many times have you attended a presentation and within the first 30 seconds thought, Wow, this is going to be good. Not many? Don't worry. As a public speaking coach, one of the questions I get asked most often is, What's the best way to begin my presentation? How do I open my speech? The opening of a presentation is one of the most important parts of the presentation. If you don't grab your audience's attention within the first 30 seconds, they are going to mentally tune out of it, and it's going to be very difficult to bring them back. You only get one chance at making a first impression, so you better utilize it well. I've seen too many speakers open their presentations in boring, dull, and lifeless ways. The most common and thus boring opening is, Thank you for inviting me. My name is XYZ and I want to talk to you about... This opening literally sucks the excitement out of the room. If your audience members were excited about listening to you, they certainly aren't going to be after that opening. So what is the best way to open a speech? You've probably guessed it. Open with a story. In her great TED Talk, titled The Power of Introverts, Susan Cain masterfully hooked her audience into her speech with the following opening. By the way, I highly encourage you to watch her speech if you haven't already. Watch it at akashkorea.com slash Susan. So how did Susan open her TED Talk? She began by saying, When I was nine years old, I went off to summer camp for the first time, and my mother packed me a suitcase full of books, which to me seemed like a perfectly natural thing to do, because in my family, reading was the primary group activity. 
And this might sound antisocial to you, but for us it was really just a different way of being social. You have the animal warmth of your family sitting right next to you, but you are also free to go roaming around the adventure land inside your own mind. And I had this idea that camp was going to be just like this, but better. Analyzing the effect a presentation has on you is a fantastic way to learn what works and what doesn't when it comes to public speaking. Therefore, just having heard Susan's TED Talk opening, consider how it made you feel. Did it arouse your curiosity? Did it invoke any memories? Did it draw you into the rest of the presentation? Introductory remarks are boring. Notice how Susan doesn't open her speech with introductory remarks. She doesn't bore her audience with an introduction of herself. The introducer MC should be the one who introduces you before you get up on stage. She doesn't bore her audience with gratitude by trying to express how thankful she is that she was invited to speak at TED. Instead, she immediately dives into a story. The best way to thank your audience for the opportunity to speak to them is to deliver a speech that keeps them engaged, interested, and involved. Dive into the story. The reason Susan's opening is powerful is because she dives straight into the story. Starting your presentation with a story is one of the best techniques for getting your audience's attention. When I was nine years old, I went off to summer camp for the first time, and my mother packed me a suitcase full of books. That opening line is powerful because it is different from the way most speakers open their presentations. Audiences hate predictable, boring openings. If your opening can be guessed by your audience, it's boring. A story is different from the way most speakers open their presentations. It takes the audience along on a journey. Stories take the audience on a mental journey. As you read Susan's opening, you might have pictured a nine-year-old version of Susan heading off to summer camp. The story had you mentally engaged. You couldn't resist it even if you tried. As executive speech coach Patricia Fripp puts it, a well-told story is irresistible. Stories ignite the listener's imagination, and therefore they give the audience no choice but to be tuned into the presentation. It's relatable. Stories cause people to search their memory banks for similar, relatable experiences. Perhaps while thinking about Susan's summer camp, your imagination borrowed details from your summer camp. Because the story is relatable, it builds a connection between you and the speaker. Finally, people are hardwired to listen to stories. Stories are the way human knowledge was passed down before the written word. Storytelling is hardwired into our brains. It's the natural way that our brains learn and process information. So, how should you open your next presentation or speech? With a story, of course. Opening with a story is a tested and proven method for grabbing audience attention and keeping your audience mentally engaged. In a nutshell, analyzing the effect a presentation has on you is a fantastic way to learn what works and what doesn't when it comes to public speaking. If you don't grab your audience's attention within the first 30 seconds, your audience will mentally tune out of your presentation. Don't bore your audience with introductory remarks. Begin with a story. Stories are powerful because people are hardwired to listen to stories. Stories take your audience on a mental journey. Audiences cannot resist a well-told story even if they try. Chapter 3. The Surprising Element That Makes a Story Irresistible
What is it that hooks us into certain stories? Why is it that some stories have us sitting on the edge of our seats? What mysterious elements make a story gripping? If you want to learn how to keep your audiences engaged in your presentation, you must understand this next principle. The number one thing that makes a story irresistible, that has audience members sitting on the edge of their seats totally captivated by your every word, is conflict. What do I mean by conflict? Conflict refers to a fight. It's a fight between opposing forces. A fight between life and death. A fight between hate and forgiveness. A fight between freedom and oppression. As long as there are two strong opposing forces that make the outcome of the story uncertain, a story will be gripping. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us curious. It makes us ask the question, what will happen next? A story without a conflict is not a very exciting one. If there's no conflict, there's no mystery and no suspense. There's no, what will happen next? Without conflict, we already know what will happen. We're not curious, and as a result, we're not engaged. Let me give you a great example. The blockbuster movie Titanic is a great movie because it contains so many different conflicts. First and most obvious is the life versus death conflict. When the Titanic sinks, we're asking ourselves, will they live or will they die? In fact, a lot of the exciting scenes in the movie contain smaller conflicts based around the life and death scenario. For example, during one scene, we find out there aren't enough lifeboats on the ship, so the conflict becomes, who does and who doesn't get into a lifeboat? The second major conflict in the movie is regarding whether or not the two main characters, Jack and Rose, will manage to stay together. Will love triumph or will society separate them because they are from vastly different backgrounds? Without all this conflict, the Titanic would not be such a great movie. After all, not many people would pay to watch Titanic if all that happened was that the two characters met on a ship, fell in love, and lived happily ever after. Yes, we would like to think that we would be interested in a story without conflict because it wouldn't put us through emotional turmoil, but the surprising truth is that the conflict in the story is what keeps audience members watching a movie. It's also what will keep your audience hooked into your presentation. In her TED Talk on Why Domestic Violence Victims Never Leave, Leslie Morgan Steiner shares her very powerful personal story. The TED Talk is one of the most gripping and powerful ones I've ever watched. Akashkorea.com slash Leslie. Why is it so powerful? Because the conflict in the story is so strong. Here's part of the transcript from Leslie's speech. Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream, and he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after, because I loved him, and he loved me so very much. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, wow, isn't that a powerful conflict? When I watched Leslie's speech, I could really feel for her, even though I have never gone through a similar situation nor personally known anyone who has. Yet, I strongly empathized with her because the conflict was so strong. Here Leslie was being physically abused by her then-husband, but she can't leave him because she's in love with him. 
Conflicts arouse the audience's emotions. Conflicts get audience members rooting for a character, hoping that the character will emerge victorious. For example, Leslie's story unconsciously made me put myself in her position to imagine what I would do if I were in her situation. As a result, this aroused my emotions. It caused me to share an emotional bond with Leslie. This emotional connection is a must if you want to deliver a powerful talk. When you arouse your audience's emotions, they will have no choice but to be totally and completely immersed in your story. Share a personal story. Another important lesson to learn from Leslie's TED Talk is the power of personal stories. Audiences like listening to new things, new ideas, new concepts, and new stories. As a public speaking coach, one of the mistakes I see some speakers make is that they use too many cliched stories. One of the most cliched stories that is repeated way too often by amateur speakers is the starfish story. The one where a man walking along the beach sees a young boy throwing starfishes back into the ocean. When the man tells the boy, why bother? There are so many starfishes you can't possibly make a difference. The boy picks up a starfish, throws it back into the ocean and says, to that one, I made a difference. The starfish story is a great story, but the problem is that it's been overused. Audiences are tired of hearing different speakers repeat the same story it turns audience members off. So what kind of stories should you use? Use personal stories. Personal stories are powerful because they give the audience new material. Your story will be new to your audience, which makes it more interesting for them to listen to. They improve your delivery. When you talk about events that have taken place in your life, you will naturally feel some of the emotions that you felt when those events took place. As a result, some of this emotion will show through in your delivery, resulting in a more authentic delivery. You won't have to practice your gestures and your facial expressions because all of that will come naturally when you're delivering a personal story. As you think about crafting your personal story for your presentation, consider the conflict. Is the conflict in your story strong enough? How can you make the conflict bigger and stronger? Is it strong enough to arouse your audience's emotions? Is it going to make your audience wonder what's going to happen next? If you answer yes to those questions, then you have a story that will captivate your audience. In a nutshell, share a personal story. The surprising element that makes a story irresistible is conflict. The stronger the conflict, the more captivating your story will be. Ask yourself, is the conflict in my story strong enough? Does it arouse my audience's emotions? The conflict in a story is what keeps your audience curious. The conflict is what makes the audience ask, what will happen next? No conflict equals no curiosity equals no interest. Chapter 4. How to Bring Your Characters to Life If you've ever experienced a great speech, you know that it's about more than what the speaker said. It's also about the mental picture that the speaker painted for you. Engaging an audience is about more than just dishing out information. Patricia Fripp, an executive speech coach, says, People don't remember what you say as much as they remember what they see when you say it. That means that your speeches need to help the audience get an experience and create a visual image. Think about the last great novel that you read. The words on the page created a visual image. 
You could see the characters in your mind and visualize their actions. A great speech must do the same. One of my favorite examples of this in speaking is from Malcolm Gladwell's TED Talk titled Choice, Happiness, and Spaghetti Sauce. Watch it at akashkorea.com slash Gladwell. In the talk, Gladwell describes a character named Howard. He says, Howard's about this high, and he's round, and he's in his 60s. He has big, huge glasses and thinning gray hair, and he has a kind of wonderful exuberance and vitality. He has a parrot, and he loves the opera, and he's a great aficionado of medieval history. By profession, he's a psychophysicist. Do you see a mental picture of Howard as you heard that? This type of description is what makes Gladwell such a superior storyteller. He really knows how to bring characters to life. He gives you, the listener, just enough descriptive information to be able to picture the characters in your head. Speaking is not about telling. It's more about showing the audience so that they get an experience that really sinks in. Gladwell always follows the principle of showing rather than just telling. For example, he goes on to talk about Howard and says Howard has a parrot, and he loves the opera, and he's a great aficionado of medieval history. So now you can picture what Howard looks like, and you also know that he's a little bit of a quirky guy. Gladwell could have said, Howard is a quirky guy. But that wouldn't have given you the same understanding of the essence of this character. When you're writing your own speech, you want to apply this principle. Providing this type of sensory detail that's very specific and visual about the characters in your speeches will help them to come alive for the audience. This is the principle of showing instead of telling. In a nutshell, it's important to bring your characters alive by providing details about the way they look. You always want to give your audience sensory information that allows them to create a mental image of your characters. Always follow the principle of showing instead of telling. Chapter 5. How to Create Mental Motion Pictures for Your Audience There are five senses that we use to experience the world. Sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. By providing descriptions that use as many of these senses as possible, you can help your audience to create a mental motion picture of your characters and stories. Let's look at an example of this from Mike Rowe. He's the host of the popular Discovery Channel series, Dirty Jobs. In his speech titled, Learning from Dirty Jobs, akashkorea.com slash Mike, Mike recounts an experience with a job of castrating sheep. He says, in the space of about two seconds, Albert had the knife between the cartilage of the tail right next to the butt of the lamb, and very quickly the tail was gone and in the bucket that I was holding. A second later, with a big thumb and a well-calloused forefinger, he had the scrotum firmly in his grasp, and he pulled it toward him like so, and he took the knife and he put it on the tip. Now you think you know what's coming, Michael. You don't, okay? He snips it, throws the tip over his shoulder, and then grabs the scrotum and pushes it upward, and then his head dips down, obscuring my view, but what I hear is a slurping sound, and a noise that sounds like Velcro being yanked off a sticky wall. Mike Rowe. How did that description make you feel? Were you grossed out by it? Did you make a face of disgust the way that I did when I heard it? Could you picture the story in your mind like a movie? 
What about that short description was so powerful? The true power of this type of story is that it provides the audience with a wealth of sensory information to make it come alive. You can visualize what's happening like a motion picture inside your mind's eye. Using most or all of the five senses in your talks will help you to do this. Those senses include visual, sight, auditory, sound, kinesthetic, touch, emotions, olfactory, smell, gustatory, taste. When referring to all of them, we'll use the acronym VACOG, V-A-K-O-G. Let's look at how Mike Rowe enlisted your senses in his talk. Visual. What could you see in that short story? Could you visualize the knife and the man holding the sheep's scrotum with his big thumb and well-callous forefinger? Auditory. What sounds could you hear? The one that stands out to me is the tearing sound of Velcro being yanked off a sticky wall. Kinesthetic. What could you feel? There were references to firmly holding the sheep's scrotum, and you might have even gone to a place where you could imagine the pain the sheep was experiencing. Olfactory. What could you smell? This passage doesn't reference any particular smells, but you might begin to imagine the smell of livestock on a farm if that's something with which you're familiar. Gustatory. What could you taste? Again, there's no specific description to taste, but this description might have left a bad taste in your mouth. By combining many sensual aspects in his story, Mike Rowe was able to help you create a mental movie of the experience. Eric Whitman, in his book Cashvertising, writes, Anytime we experience anything in life, a blend of these elements is always present. We call these elements IRs, internal representations, because they represent our experience of the world around us internally in our heads. In fact, memory is just a blend of these elements. Whenever you recall any experience, whether it's the pizza you ate yesterday or the roller coaster you screamed on 28 years ago, you're accessing a blend of these five elements, a set pattern that equals your experience. In other words, blending the elements of the five senses helps to bring your story to life. As a result, your speech will be more impactful and memorable to your audience. As you can see from the examples covered so far, you don't need to make your descriptions very long or incredibly detailed, but you do need to hit on as many of the five senses as possible in order to create a great experience for your audience. In a nutshell, it's important that you use the senses of VACOG when constructing your speech. Include as many senses as possible. Visual. What can you see? Auditory. What can you hear? Kinesthetic. What can you feel, either physically or emotionally? Olfactory. What could you smell? Gustatory. What could you taste? Even though you need to include some detail, remember to keep your descriptions as short as possible. Chapter 6. Adding Internal Credibility to Your Stories Using Specificity When crafting your personal story, it's important to keep in mind that you need to provide as many specific details as possible. In order to turn your story into a mental movie for your audience, Provide audience members with as many specific details as possible. For example, instead of saying, the man was tall, say, he was about 6 foot 5 inches. Instead of saying, I was speaking to a large group of people, say, I was speaking to a group of 500 CEOs. 
Do you see how the specific details help your audience see the scene? Non-specific statements such as the man was tall don't help your audience members picture the characters in the scene in their mind. Saying he was about six foot five with ripped muscles provides enough detail for your audience to be able to see the characters in the scene. Also, according to research that I highlight in my book, How to Deliver a Great TED Talk, adding very specific details to your talk increases the internal credibility of your presentation. For example, consider the following section from Leslie Morgan Steiner's speech, akashkorea.com slash Leslie. Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream, and he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded. Notice how, instead of saying, a couple of days later, Leslie says, five days later. First, this gives the audience a concrete timeline of the events. Second, it adds credibility to the story. Let's take another example from a great TED Talk by Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor. In her TED Talk, Stroke of Insight, akashkorea.com slash Jill, Dr. Taylor says, But on the morning of December 10th, 1996, I woke up to discover that I had a brain disorder of my own. Do you notice how much more powerful that is than saying, But one morning a couple of years ago, I woke up to discover I had a brain disorder of my own. Doesn't giving the specific date, December 10th, 1996, sound more believable than saying, couple of years ago? So here's the takeaway message. When crafting your story, avoid non-specific language. Provide specific details about the characters, scenes, and dates. The specific details will help your audience see what you're saying, as well as add internal credibility to your presentation. In a nutshell, specific details help your audience see what you're saying. Specificity adds internal credibility to your presentation. Always provide specific details about characters, scenes, and dates. Chapter 7. The Power of Positive Stories There are two types of stories you can share with your audience. Positive message stories and negative message stories. Here's what I mean. Positive message stories are stories where the main character manages to overcome the conflict. The character changes for the better as a result of having overcome the conflict. This type of story shows the audience what they should do and leaves them in high spirits. As an example of a positive message story, think of the typical rags to riches story. One of my favorite movies is The Pursuit of Happiness starring Will Smith. Based on a true story, Will Smith plays the role of Chris Gardner. Chris Gardner has invested most of his money on a device called a bone density scanner. However, he is unable to sell the devices and ends up losing his house and his wife. He is forced to live on the streets with his son. Side note, this is the conflict. Will they survive or perish? Will Chris be able to take care of his son or will he lose his son too? How will they overcome the difficulty? However, through sheer determination and hard work, Chris ends up with an unpaid six-month internship as a stockbroker. His effort pays off. He ends up with a full-time employment offer as a stockbroker, and by the end of the movie, through his hard work, he has formed his own multi-million dollar brokerage firm. The Pursuit of Happiness is a positive message story because it shares with the audience a positive message, that through hard work and persistence, we can overcome even the most difficult challenges we face in life.
the end of the story leaves the audience on an emotional high. The negative message story, as you can guess, is one where the character doesn't manage to overcome the conflict and in fact ends up in a worse state than before. This is what I call a negative message story because it teaches the audience what not to do. While the story may be instructive, it is not inspiring. It leaves audiences on an emotional low, which is generally not how you want to end your presentation. Positive message stories are inspiring. They leave audiences on an emotional high. Negative message stories are instructive, but they leave audiences on an emotional low. Whenever possible, share positive message stories with your audience. Through the positive message story, you will be able to educate as well as inspire your audience. Through the positive message story, you will be able to educate as well as inspire your audience. The positive message story allows you to share a motivational message with your audience without being perceived as someone who is shoving advice down their throats. As an example of a positive message story, let's examine part of a TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson. In his great TED Talk on how schools kill creativity, akashkorea.com Ken, Sir Ken uses the following positive message story. I'm doing a new book at the moment called Epiphany, which is based on a series of interviews with people about how they discovered their talent. I'm fascinated by how people got to be there. It's really prompted by a conversation I had with a wonderful woman who maybe most people have never heard of. She's called Jillian Lynn. Have you heard of her? Some have. She's a choreographer and everybody knows her work. She did Cats and Phantom of the Opera. She's wonderful. I used to be on the board of the Royal Ballet in England, as you can see. Anyway, Jillian and I had lunch one day and I said, Jillian, How'd you get to be a dancer? And she said it was interesting. When she was at school, she was really hopeless. And the school in the 30s wrote to her parents and said, We think Jillian has a learning disorder. She couldn't concentrate. She was fidgeting. I think now they'd say she had ADHD, wouldn't you? But this was the 1930s, and ADHD hadn't been invented at this point. It wasn't an available condition. People weren't aware they could have that. Anyway. She went to see this specialist. So this oak-paneled room, and she was there with her mother, and she was led and sat on this chair at the end, and she sat on her hands for 20 minutes while this man talked to her mother about all the problems Jillian was having at school. And at the end of it, because she was disturbing people, her homework was always late and so on. Little kid of eight, in the end, the doctor went and sat next to Jillian and said, Jillian? I've listened to all these things that your mother's told me, and I need to speak to her privately. He said, wait here, we'll be back, we won't be very long. And they went and left her. But as they went out of the room, he turned on the radio that was sitting on his desk. And when they got out of the room, he said to her mother, just stand and watch her. And the minute they left the room, she said, she was on her feet, moving to the music. And they watched for a few minutes, and he turned to her mother and said, Mrs. Lynn? Jillian isn't sick. She's a dancer. Take her to a dance school. I said, what happened? She said, she did. I can't tell you how wonderful it was. We walked in this room and it was full of people like me. People who couldn't sit still. People who had to move to think. They did ballet. They did tap. They did jazz. They did modern. They did contemporary. She was eventually auditioned for the Royal Ballet School. She became a soloist. 
She had a wonderful career at the Royal Ballet. She eventually graduated from the Royal Ballet School and founded her own company, the Gillian Lynn Dance Company, met Andrew Lloyd Webber. She's been responsible for some of the most successful musical theater productions in history. She's given pleasure to millions, and she's a multi-millionaire. Somebody else might have put her on medication and told her to calm down. At the end of the story, Sir Ken Robinson received a rousing round of applause from the audience. Why? Because the story left them on an emotional high. The Power of Dialogue and Storytelling Another important lesson to learn from Sir Ken Robinson is the importance of dialogue and storytelling. Throughout the above story, he uses dialogue. Here's an example. And they watched for a few minutes, and he turned to a mother, and she said, Mrs. Lynn, Jillian isn't sick. She's a dancer. Take her to a dance school. Now here's how that line would sound in narration. And they watched for a few minutes, and the doctor told Jillian's mother that her daughter wasn't sick. She was a dancer, and that she should be taken to dance school. Do you feel the difference between dialogue and narration? Dialogue is more powerful than narration. It puts audience members into the scene, allowing them to hear exactly what was said. Dialogue is also shorter and punchier than narration. Finally, another advantage of dialogue is that it allows you to use vocal variety to slightly change the pace, pitch, and volume of your voice to reflect the emotions and speech of the different characters in your speech. As a result, your delivery will be more dynamic and engaging. When delivering your story, always use dialogue, not narration. In a nutshell, positive message stories are inspiring. Leave your audience on an emotional high. Use dialogue, not narration. Chapter 8. The Spark, The Change, and The Takeaway We know that the conflict in a story is what makes it exciting. We also know that positive message stories are what inspire audiences. Between the conflict and the final victory of the character, we have what I refer to as the spark. The spark refers to the process, idea, or wisdom that allows the character to overcome the conflict. The spark is one of the most valuable parts of the story. It's the process or the wisdom that audience members can take home with them and use to overcome similar conflicts in their own lives. Think about a time you faced a difficult challenge in your life. How did you overcome it? What was the process you used to overcome the conflict? What was the wisdom or advice that allowed you to push past the difficulty? Let me give you a simple example. Imagine a man, we'll call him John, who is 300 pounds overweight. Here's the conflict difficulty. John wants to lose weight, but every time he goes on a diet, he gives up quickly because his commitment is not strong enough. As a result, he's depressed. Here's the spark. When John goes to the doctor for his yearly checkup, the doctor tells him, John, if you don't lose weight, you'll be dead in five years. This is the spark that John needs to change his life. Now here's the change. Fast forward to a year later, and John has lost over 250 pounds and is living a happier life. Here's the takeaway for the audience. If you want to achieve your goal, but don't commit to it and don't have a strong reason for achieving it, then you'll never achieve it. The above story is very simple, but I've made it simple to explain several critical storytelling elements to you. Number one, the spark. 
The spark is the wisdom or the process that the character in your story receives in order to overcome the conflict. In one of my stories, I talk about a time I was very excited about starting up my own business. However, one of my friends was very negative and kept on reminding me that I wouldn't be successful because I didn't have enough experience. Whenever I talked about my business, my friend would shoot down my ideas with her negativity. As a result, I struggled with thoughts of not being good enough to start a business. The spark that allowed me to get over my friend's negativity was a quotation by Eleanor Roosevelt. It was, No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. It was then I realized that I had given my friend permission to make me feel inferior. And at that moment in time, I made a conscious decision to not let her negativity pull me down. What was the spark that caused you to overcome the conflict you were facing in your life? Perhaps it was a quotation you read or advice you received from a mentor or a technique you learned from a book. Share the spark with your audience and perhaps it might just be what they need to help them overcome the challenges they may be facing. Number two, the change. Characters must change as a result of the conflict. There has to be a difference in the character, either the character's circumstances or his or her personality because of having overcome the conflict. For example, in the weight loss story about John, John went from being overweight to being a thinner, healthier person. Number three, the takeaway. Each story must have a key takeaway message. Bill Gove, the first president of the National Speakers Association, wisely said to be a great public speaker, you need to tell a story and make a point. What's the point of your story? What's the key takeaway message of your speech? Summarize your key message in a short, memorable phrase so that your audience will remember and repeat it. If I had to simplify the structure of a great story, here's what it would look like. Character, conflict, spark, change in character, takeaway message. Let's have a look at an example of this process. We use Leslie Morgan Steiner's TED Talk on domestic violence to look at the above structure in action. Watch Leslie's speech at akashkorea.com slash Leslie. And then we will examine the characters, conflict, spark, change, and takeaway message in the speech. Pause this now, and when you're done watching Leslie's talk, come back to this again. Okay, now that you've watched the video, who are the characters in Leslie's speech? The two characters in Leslie's speech are Leslie and her ex-husband. Since Leslie is standing on stage, we don't need any description of her. What about her ex-husband? What information do we have about him? Leslie tells us that her ex-husband, Connor, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. He was smart and funny and he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. Leslie gives us enough information about Connor to create a mental image of him in our heads. When telling stories in your speeches and presentations, Make sure that you provide some specific details about how your main characters look. Now, what's the conflict in Leslie's story? The conflict in Leslie's story is that she is being physically abused by her then-husband but can't leave him because she's in love with him and keeps believing that he will change. Here's an excerpt from Leslie's talk. Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream and he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. 
Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after, because I loved him, and he loved me so very much. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time. Okay, next question. What's the spark in Leslie's story? The spark is that Leslie finds the courage to leave Connor because of the one final beating which broke through her denial. Here's what Leslie says. I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I love so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. The police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. Now let's examine the change in the story. How does the main character in the story change as a result of the conflict? In Leslie's story, the change is that she goes from being in an abusive relationship to finally getting out of it. She goes from being in denial about her situation to finally accepting that the man she loved so much was going to kill her. Furthermore, she goes from keeping her abusive relationship a secret to sharing her story with the world so that she can help others in similar situations. Finally, what is the takeaway message of Leslie's story? What lesson does she leave the audience with? Leslie uses her story to take us through the different steps of a domestic violence relationship, but the final takeaway message for her audience is that instead of blaming victims of violent relationships for staying in those relationships, we should, as she says, recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene, de-escalate it, and show victims a safe way out. The storytelling structure, character, conflict, spark, change in character, takeaway message, you've learned may be simple, but it's powerful. It's proven to work time and time again, so use it to make your presentation engaging and interesting. In a nutshell. Your story must contain the spark that allowed your character to overcome the conflict. Show the change in your character. Leave your audience with your key takeaway message. Chapter 9. Wrap Up The magic ingredient in all great TED Talks is storytelling. If you master the art of storytelling, you'll be able to keep your audiences captivated. Whether you're giving a TED Talk or a corporate presentation, use stories in your presentations because stories are powerful. Stories are inherently interesting. They're memorable. And they can turn any boring presentation into a brilliant one. Use the following 23 principles covered in this course to make your next presentation an outstanding success. Watch videos of great speakers. Analyzing the effect a presentation has on you is a fantastic way to learn what works and what doesn't when it comes to public speaking. If you don't grab your audience's attention within the first 30 seconds, your audience will mentally tune out of your presentation. Don't bore your audience with introductory remarks. Begin with a story. Stories are powerful because people are hardwired to listen to stories. Stories take your audience on a mental journey. Audiences cannot resist a well-told story even if they try. Share a personal story. The surprising element that makes a story irresistible is conflict. The stronger the conflict, the more captivating your story will be. Ask yourself, 
Is the conflict in my story strong enough? Does it arouse my audience's emotions? No conflict equals no curiosity equals no interest. Give your audience enough sensory information to construct a mental image of your main characters. Show, don't tell. Turn your scenes into mental movies using the visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory elements. Pack in as many of the senses as possible, but keep your description short. Provide specific detail because it helps your audience see what you're saying. Remember that specificity adds internal credibility to your presentation. Positive message stories are inspiring. They allow you to share your message with your audience without lecturing them. Leave your audience on an emotional high. Use dialogue, not narration. Dialogue is shorter and more impactful than narration, and also allows you to use vocal variety in your delivery. Your story should contain the spark that allowed your character to overcome the conflict. Show the change in the character as a result of the conflict. Wrap up your story by leaving your audience with the final takeaway message, and make your takeaway message short so that your audience can remember and repeat it. This is the end, but I have a bonus in store for you. I have over $297 worth of resources on public speaking and storytelling that you can download from my website for free. Just head on over to akashkorea.com slash free. That is A-K-A-S-H-K-A-R-I-A dot com slash free. When you get on my email list, I will also send you links to any new free courses I create as well as discounts for my best-selling books and courses. By the way, I'm also available to conduct keynotes, workshops, and training sessions on persuasion, public speaking, and productivity. Check out the keynotes and workshops I offer on my website, and let's set a time to discuss how I can be of help to you. Finally, if you're interested in coaching, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching over Skype. Reach me at akash.speaker at gmail.com or akash at akashkorea.com to discuss the possibility of how we might work together. If you enjoyed this course, then please do leave a review on Audible or iTunes. List of TED Talks mentioned in the course. For your reference, here's a quick list of the TED Talks mentioned in this course in order of appearance. The Power of Introverts by Susan Cain, akashkorea.com slash Susan. Why Domestic Violence Victims Never Leave by Leslie Morgan Steiner, akashkorea.com slash Leslie. Choice, Happiness, and Spaghetti Sauce by Malcolm Gladwell, akashkorea.com slash Gladwell. Learning from Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe, akashkorea.com slash Mike. Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, akashkorea.com slash Jill. How Schools Kill Creativity by Sir Ken Robinson, akashkorea.com slash Ken. You might also enjoy... If you enjoyed this, then check out my other books. How to Design Ted-Worthy Presentation Slides, the phenomenal number one Amazon bestseller. I will admit to rarely reviewing books, however this book was such a step above any others I've read on the art of PowerPoint presentations, I had to give it a 5 star review. I have already recommended this book on my blog and will keep it in my ready reference. David Schwind
Get the book on Amazon at akashkorea.com slash tedpresentation. How to Deliver a Great TED Talk Presentation Secrets of the World's Best Speakers Why can some speakers grab the attention of an audience and keep them spellbound throughout their entire presentation, but most fall flat on their faces and are quickly forgotten? Akash has captured the best ideas, tools, and processes used by some of the best speakers and presenters in the world. He has distilled them into a step-by-step, easy-to-read guide that will help you discover, develop, and deliver presentations which help you stand out from the crowd. Michael Davis, Certified World-Class Speaking Coach Get the book on Amazon at akashkorea.com slash tedtalkbook About the Author Akash Korea is an award-winning speaker and peak productivity coach who has been ranked as one of the top 10 speakers in Asia-Pacific. He is an in-demand international speaker who has spoken to a wide range of audiences, including bankers in Hong Kong, students in Tanzania, governmental organizations in Dubai, and yoga teachers in Thailand. He currently lives in Tanzania, where he works as the chief commercial officer of a multi-million dollar company. Akash is available for speaking engagements and flies from Tanzania. Contact him for coaching and training through his website, akashkorea.com. Acknowledgements In addition to TED, I would like to thank Susan Kane, Leslie Morgan Steiner, Malcolm Gladwell, Mike Rowe, Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, and Sir Ken Robinson for their inspiration through TED Talks. Finally, I also owe a great debt to Craig Valentine, www.craigvalentine.com, whose work and coaching has heavily inspired this course. Without you all, none of this would have been possible. Thank you. Akash Korea, www.akashkorea.com. This has been TED Talk Storytelling. 23 Storytelling Techniques from the Best TED Talks by Akash P. Korea, narrated by Matt Stone, produced by Archangel Inc. Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program.